ready to go forward? Amen. We spent last year about the healing process of David and Bathsheba. And this year, I shared with you, 2013 was about being healed. 2014 is about being built. God wants to build us up this year. Amen. And there's a scripture. It's not in the notes, but I want to read it to you that I just got this morning, just had to share it to you. Philippians chapter 3, this is the Amplified Bible. Not that I've already attained this idea or I've already been made perfect. This is what Paul says. But I press on. Say, I press on. See, the confidence. There's confidence in that. Everyone spoke with ringtones of confidence. I press on to lay hold of and grasp. Remember the prophetic word for this year. I said it was grasp. And make my own. And for it's Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do. It is my one aspiration. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. Say that with me. Straining forward. Straining forward to what lies ahead. And here it is again. Verse 14. I press on towards the mark of the goal to win. I press on towards the mark of the goal to win. I've been looking at this picture. And how many know it takes courage to to take a leap like that? But you know... Something that's always been in me. I lived in the Andes Mountains and I would get with a national pastor even in Central America. And it was like, what's on the other side of those mountains? I always had this drive. I wanted to know what was beyond another mountain and beyond another mountain. And going up 8, 10, even up to 14,000 feet trying to find what's behind that other mountain. Let's, let's go up there. Let's find out what's up there. And the, this, the, the courage and the confidence and the zeal behind this guy jumping into this, over this cliff is that there, there's something on the other side. The mountain's calling my name. And I feel that's what Paul is saying here. The finish line, the goal, is calling my name. There's something God has created for you that is calling your name. It's not built upon your mistakes. It uh, doesn't matter according to the things you've messed up in. It's about you just get up and continue going and don't quit and don't give up. Yesterday... How many know we almost won? The Saints. Huh? How many Saints fans got in the house today? Yeah. You're a fan even though they, they failed yesterday, right? right? How many know the win was against Drew Brees? How many prayed for the win to stop? Anybody? I didn't either. The win was against Drew Brees. The weather was against Drew Brees. The noise of the crowd was against. How many know he didn't throw the football and say, I quit, I'm going home? He pressed in. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. And that's what I feel the Holy Spirit is saying. It's not over yet. He wants you to press in. Now, you may have to do some straining. You may have to do some hard work. You may have to work through some things, but you keep running and you don't give up. And you just know there's something else. The finish line is calling your name. There's something calling me to continue on no matter what. 45% of the people make a New Year's resolution. Only 8% will do it. Only 8% will finish what or accomplish what they they decided to do for this new year there's something that jesus said when i come back will i find faith faith on this earth there's something that the lord is looking for in our lives is faith and faith goes along with confidence that i know that my redeemer lives even though Job faced everything that he faced he still kept saying i know that my redeemer lives and all these circumstances may be against me but yet i'm going to get up again and i'm going to run this race again because there's a goal there's a mark that's calling my name there's something I've got to accomplish in my life. There's just something I have to do. This week, I got a phone call. I got in touch with a missionary from Bolivia, Ed Grant. 
And when we were talking, and I remembered when I was with Ed in Bolivia some years ago, we had a crusade there. And his wife went and invited this witch to, the, to this crusade. And when his wife, Ed, Ed Grant's wife, walked into the, the house of this witch and invited her to our crusade, the witch just did like that. And the, the, the pastor's wife, Ed's wife, just bent over in pain and started hollering. And they had her take her out of the room. And she, says, she just shouted out, look, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And we want to invite you to the meeting tonight. Well, she came to the meeting that night, and I was ministering. And as I started praying for her, she fell down and she started manifesting devils. Now, some people may not believe in that, but when you go to, I invite you to go to a third world country and you will see it. And they, there she was manifesting and they took her out and they put her in her room. And my worship leader and Ed's wife and some others were praying for her and holding her down. And when I went in that room to pray for her, I walked in there, I knelt down, and I just, I really didn't say anything. I just knelt down and started praying. And she looked at me, and she just started laughing. Just laughing, a wicked laughter. And out of my spirit, I, I, I couldn't make this up. Out of my spirit came the words, you will not be laughing once you're walking in the dry places. Just came out of my spirit. No fear, just the courage of the Holy Spirit upon me. You will not be laughing when you're walking through the dry places. And the witch stopped laughing, and she started crying. And out of my spirit came... I would cry too if I knew my Lord was defeated by your Lord. In other words, Jesus, my Lord, defeated your Lord and you cannot win. And when I said that, when the demon was crying, I commanded it to leave her and it left her. And her whole face changed. And we walked out of that room and people couldn't believe it was the same woman. And the next day, when I was at the airport to leave Sucre, Bolivia, she came to me and she gave me a gift. She says, I want you to know that since I received Jesus, my life has changed. Last night was the, last, was the f first night I was able to sleep the whole first night in peace. And I didn't hear the voices talking talking while I was sleeping. Thank you. I feel so much peace. And she gave me a gift. That's the courage we have before the enemy. That's the courage Jesus is wanting us to have that in spite of all these circumstances and situations, in spite of my failures, in spite of my shortcomings, I'm going to come through this. I'm going to run this race and I'm going to win. It's that determination we need. And then we read last week in Hebrews 10.35, therefore do not cast away. Do not become shipwrecked or stagnant. Don't throw away your confidence. Shout out confidence. Do not throw away your confidence, which has a what? A great reward. Don't throw your confidence away. There's many things, politically correct, what one believes, what one's going through, they will try to pull and drain you of your confidence. They would try to cause you to believe that, no, I'm not going to have the confidence. I'm not going to be able to see that. Nothing's going to happen in my life. God, where are you? Why isn't it happening? And so many times when we're in the waiting process, we give up and we walk away and we decide we're going to try something new. But I want to encourage you this morning that God is about to ready to do something new. And I believe this is going to be a great year. I believe this is going to be a year of favor. It's going to be a year of winning. It's going to be a year of building. It's going to be a year of overcoming. Amen. But you cannot cast away your confidence on what happens to others, what has happened in your life, or what has happened on the past. You got to keep pressing towards that mark. There'll be things, Jesus with the, with, the, with the disciples, when the pressure gets in, when you're told certain things, when you're confronted with certain things, you can either stay or you can go. You can stand or you can fall. Jesus told the disciples, Unless you drink my blood and eat my, my body, you cannot be my disciples. Well, 70 disciples right there just left him. Jesus turned to the other 12 and said, are you going to leave me too? They said, who can we go to? You have the words of eternal life. 
The Word of God says, if you believe the Word of God, you shall be established, and you believe His prophets, you shall prosper. I believe there is something that God is wanting to get across to us, to motivate us, to believe, to go forward. So I want you to believe the Word today, hear the Word today, as we, as we see these different things. As you know, Peter, he was confronted. You're a follower of Jesus. He says, no, and he cursed and everything else. But then after the day of Pentecost, something else came upon him. And I want you to see the courage that came upon him here in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 and 32. It says, fellow Israelites, listen carefully to these words. I mean, here he is talking. Listen carefully to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man thoroughly accredited by God to you, the miracles, the wonders, and the signs that God did through him are common knowledge. This Jesus, somebody shout out, this Jesus. All through the word of God, you will hear the apostles and disciples saying, this Jesus. You need to go around every day, this Jesus. The Jesus that raised the dead. The Jesus that opened the blind eyes. The the Jesus that provided every need. The Jesus that died, was buried, and resurrected again. This Jesus is the Jesus we preach. This is the Jesus we sing about. This is the Jesus we pray to. This is the Jesus who's reigning upon the throne of God. This Jesus, and when you start doing that, there will automatically be a confidence that will come on the inside of you. Because when you speak in the name of Jesus, all of heaven stands in attention and devils of hell tremble because it's this Jesus that I'm talking about. And listen what it says here. Following the deliberate and well thought out plan of God, that's what God has for you too, a deliberate and well thought out plan, was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands. And look at this. Here he went duck dynasty on them and handed over to you and you pinned him to the cross and you killed him. Just said right there, you murdered Jesus. You killed him. Sure, it was their plans. They betrayed him, but you killed him. How many know that courage came upon him? Here he is standing in front of people who could take his life. And it wasn't about being politically correct. And it wasn't about saving his life. It was about speaking the truth. When you talk about Jesus and the word, you speak the truth. You just say, this is how it is. This is what the word says. You may want to fire me. You may want to get rid of me. You may not want to hear from me. But this is what the word of God says. And this is the truth. And we will not compromise the truth. And Peter was so bold here. He said, he was handed over to you and you nailed him to the cross. But God untied the death ropes and raised him up. Then Peter goes on to say in the next, all of Israel. I mean, Elijah came on him. All of Israel, know this. There's no longer room for doubt. Say that with me. There is no longer room for doubt. You need to write that down and say that every day. When you start coming against circumstances and situations, there's no longer room for doubt. There's no longer room for doubt in my head. There's no longer room for doubt in my mind. There's no longer room for doubt in my mouth. There's no longer room for doubt in my heart. There's no longer room for doubt in my lifestyle. I'm going to believe God that it shall be even as he said, but this is the confidence we have in him. We ask anything according to his will, he will do it. There's no longer room for doubt in Jesus' name. Faith starves doubt, and I'm believing God in faith. Can I hear an amen? So it says, all of Israel know this. There is no longer room for doubt. God made him master, the Messiah. This is Jesus, and here he goes again, whom you killed on the cross. Verse 37, cut to the quick, pierced in their hearts, convicted. Those who were listening asked Peter and other apostles, brothers, so now what should we do? He's bringing people, and today, I believe as we get into this word, he will just spur up and he will just stir up your conscience. That conscience will be the guide of the Holy Spirit to give you the confidence to go forward in your life. That this is going to be a better year and things are going to change. Can I hear an amen? According to Hebrews 13.5 in the Greek, one of the translations says that Paul was saying, be what you were at your best. That's according to the Greek translation in in, uh, Hebrews 10.35. Write that down. Be 
what you were at your best. Don't cast away your confidence. Your best days are not behind you. Be what you were at your best. So many people, I, I was better five years ago. I was better at this ten years ago. I was in a better financial situation eight years ago. Our marriage was stronger twelve years ago. Whatever it may be, Paul is saying, no, don't cast away your confidence that the best times are over. Be what you were at your best. And the word confidence there is boldness and courage. It's the state of feeling certain about a truth or something strong. To accept without a doubt or reservation to be cer certain about something. Listen to these quotes about confidence. I love this. Get ready. You must first be a believer if you want to be an achiever. We hear a lot about achieving, but how about getting our belief strong in confidence that I'm a believer, therefore I'm an achiever. I believe the word of God and I'm established. Listen to this. Misplaced confidence is seldom found again. There's some people you've been hit so hard you don't have any confidence. You don't know exactly what you believe is truth. Misplaced confidence in what somebody said, what something, somebody did, what happened to somebody else is not the confidence God wants your word established on. He wants you jumping over into this new year in a new way, in a new state of mind. And he doesn't want you to have confidence in what was in the past, but what's coming. Listen to this. Confidence is feeling that you have before you fully... Confidence is the feeling... You have before you fully understand the situation. That's faith right there. I don't understand the situation. I don't understand how my life could go from this to this. I don't... Pastor, we got a divorce and I didn't even see it coming. Pastor, he walked out the house and I don't even... I can't even tell you why. Confidence... It's before you understand the situation that God is going to do something on your behalf. It's believing God even before you see it. Listen to this. Faith gives us the courage to face the present with confidence and the future with expectancy. And that's what I feel God just wants to put into our hearts this year so strongly. Expectancy. Say that with me. Expectancy. He wants us to be focused in expectancy that even what beyond our dreams or imaginations or things that's going to come to us this year. The, the uh, prophecy talked about grab and seize right now the hope that is before you. To have the goal that is calling out your name. And I, I read this from an athlete. This is what he said. I practice and train hard with the... Well, I'm sorry. I practice and train hard with the end in view. If I train... Get this church... If I train as a routine, I can drift. But if it's to compete and win, I give it my all. And so many times we'll start a devotional. We'll start saying, I'm going to read the Bible through this year. I'm going to start going on Wednesday nights to Bible study. I'm going to go to intercession on Tuesday nights. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. And we start off with a New Year's resolution. And we start off, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see if it works. But think about it is, if you do it as a routine, you'll drift. Well, you know, we just, you know, we got to go to church on Sunday, so we're going to church. Or, you know, if I just do this, you know, it just becomes a routine. It's easy to get bored with it and get away from it. But if I'm going to do it because I'm going to win, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to stay motivated. I want you to see something here. This is a picture somebody uh, in the church put on Facebook. Here's the gym. That's the treadmills December 31st. There's the treadmill on January 1st. And then there's the treadmills on January 2nd. 
How many ever been there? Man, I'm going to put, I'm going to give it all I have this year. Man, I'm going to go to the gym. Man, b- b- by this summer, I'm going to be ready to go to the beach. And everybody gets their resolution. And then come January 2nd, psh. But church, I want to go a little Peter on you. This is many times what Sunday mornings look like. And this is what Wednesday nights look like. And this is what Tuesday night intercession looks like. I mean, we're, we're, oh, hello. We're supposed to be a house of what? Prayer. Open the door and there's no people. It's the church. There's the steeple. Open the door. There's no people. Well, why aren't we seeing more miracles? Why aren't you praying more? Thank God for the eight that's here. But I tell you what, you ever see 80 people at a prayer meeting? We did in Argentina. And that's why the walls rocked. But we start off Wednesday night. We're getting ready to start a whole new series about going deeper in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit. There's something about Bible study and doing all these things. But so many times we we get out of it. And there's this word confidence that means fortitude. It means courage, bravery, endurance. Moral fiber, strength of mind. I hear so many people say, Pastor, I'm getting older, I'm getting weak of mind. No, don't say that. Caleb was 88 and he still had a strong mind and strong eyes. Amen. Strength of mind. You're not, you're not crazy. Stop saying you're crazy. The New Year's resolution, don't say you're crazy anymore. We know it, but you don't have to say it. Okay. Strength of character, strong-mindedness, backbone, spirit, grit, true grit, John Wayne, come on. Steadfastness, guts. To believe, to stand, to be strong. You know, we we have to learn to, to, to dream. And the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. It's when you're waiting on God and you're getting in his presence and you're feeding on his presence that the faith and the confidence is growing. And I got a video clip I want to show you because men have always dreamed of flying. I've been to that National Air Museum in Washington. I've seen the Kitty Hawk the, uh, plane with the, uh, the Wright brothers flew for the first time. And there was always this desire to, 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 to uh, fly. And many of you have a dream and people are telling you it can't come true. How can you ever recuperate after doing this or doing that? And everybody will try to tell you that these things won't happen. But listen, everything is possible if you dream and you dream long enough. And in that waiting period is when you get to know God in a certain way. And I want you to see this video and let it just be an influence to you. So far. Look at that.
boy, that don't get your blood going, nothing will. How ah! many ready to get on top of the building and jump off with an umbrella? Uh, just make sure you want to do something. I mean, these guys had a dream. They watched some flying squirrels and they said, look, if the squirrels can do that, we can do that. I bet the first guy did, he got visqueed and said, mama, take me up. I'm going to jump off the mountain. But you start off and your courage grows. And it's amazing in those waiting processes where you're expecting something to change. That's where you learn to rest. You saw that guy just flipped and flipped over on his back and he was just soaring and just chilling. How many you know when you learn to wait upon God, you get to a place where you start chilling and waiting upon him and you, and you find the future and you find what God's wanting for you. And it says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, it says, And God answered, Write this. It says three times, write. I believe God is wanting to get us something over here. Write. I hope you're taking notes this morning. Write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. It doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come at the right time. Can I hear an amen? It will come at the right time. Write it down. I want to encourage you. I'm going to read something that I have hanging in my bathroom, in my office at the end of the service. But you need to be having things written down, pictures that motivate you. You need to have scriptures that motivate you. I know you have scriptures in the living room and all that, but I have a shed that I work out in. And I, uh, I just recently put this picture of the expendables and it says, it's never too old, and it's got all their ages. Arnold and Sly's 67 years old, uh, Jet Li's almost 60, uh, Van Damme's 51, Chuck Norris is 72. Urgh! And it's like, I've got that right over my door. When I walk into my shed, there's that picture right over the door. You're never too old, so eh, motivation. And sometimes you got to put some things in motivation. you got to just put some things to motivate you, encourage you. i got this one picture of this guy in CrossFit, and he says, I'm not dreaming about this, I'm doing it. Good. And I read that every day. I'm not dreaming about this, I'm doing it. Those guys who did that, they're not dreaming about it, they're doing it. You write down the vision. You get motivated. You get motivational quotes. You, you get in there and stir yourself up. You stay in the Word of God. You pray in the Spirit. You sing songs. You get in that area. You keep yourself motivated. Because listen, when you're going through these times of waiting, you're not always going to have people at those moments come and pat you on the back and tell you how wonderful you are. Can I hear an amen in the house today? You may have a vision. You say, I'm doing a recording. And they may say, mm, I'm writing a book. Good for you. Sure won't make anything. I'm going to start a new job. I'm going to college. Good luck with that. You won't always have people encouraging you. You won't always have people boasting about you. You won't always have people patting you on the back. You won't always have people telling you to go forward. But that's when you need to learn, look, if I have to try this out by myself with God only, I'm going to. I can't expect people to be motivating me. I've got to learn to stir my own self up in the Holy Ghost. I've got to learn to stir my own self up on the things that God has planned. If I'm waiting constantly for people to cheer me on, I'm never going to run my race. If I'm depending on people to encourage me when I feel down, I'll never run my race. This year makes 33 years I've been in the ministry full time. I could have quit thousands upon thousands of times if it was expecting people to encourage me. Even when people are against you, you've got to know you've got to continue to run your race. Whether they praise you or not, you're running for God and you're running for what God put inside of you, not for what man can tell you. Can I hear an amen? So he says you wait on this, the timings of God. Say the timings. There's, this, there's something interesting in the scripture when Jesus would use the word, my time 
has not yet come. The enemy came and tempted him for a time or for a season. There's the word time that means things. But there's also the time that speaks about the time when God has it ordained. And God has an ordained moment for you to step into and get what you're believing God for. But he knows that moment, not you. So many times I, I know people, they get upset, they jump out of church, they quit church. Because they go, I'm believing God, I'll have a red car by tomorrow. And the red car don't come, so they go, you know what, God, you, you're just not listening to me. It just doesn't work. How many of you know, you do not put God on a timetable. There's only one person who put Jesus on a timetable, and that was his mother, Mary. And I was thinking about this. Mary must have been going through menopause or midlife crisis. Because she wanted wine. <laughs> Think about it. She went to Jesus. She went to Jesus. She said, uh, they didn't have no wine. Says, There's no wine. Where the party? Where's the wine? And so she went, she went to Jesus and says, Jesus, we need some wine. He says, it's not my time. She goes, it's his time. <laughs> it's my time. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> and, so, and so Mary, you know, I mean, listen, she had Jesus' brothers. Do you know what it was like to be the brother of Jesus or the mother of Jesus? Do you know what it's like to, to have the Messiah as your son or your brother? Can you imagine Jesus walking? All of a sudden there's snakes and he goes like that and the snakes run. I mean, the brothers were wild. They, were, they, they hated him. In fact, James didn't believe until to after the resurrection. But Mary comes and says, Jesus, turn this water into wine. It's not my time yet. Fill up the pots. I want it now. Now, Mary got away with it, but that don't mean you're going to get away with it. Jesus, here it is. Here's my tithe. I want a hundredfold now. Mm-hmm. I want to see some fruit in my life now. No, it's down the road. It's going through a process. It's coming through and learning from me. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12, in whom we have boldness and excess, entry with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you to do not, I, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. Don't get discouraged because of what other people are going through. Stop, do not stop believing in healing because somebody you know passed away. Do not stop believing in prosperity because somebody or you are going through something financially. You keep believing and standing on the word of God and don't lose heart. It's easy. I, I've known people personally who ended up dying of cancer after my mother passed away with cancer because they said, if Peggy couldn't get her healing, who could get a healing? And they ended up dying of the same cancer. I want you to know you cannot base your, base your face on nobody else but Jesus Christ. You have to believe in him and his word, and you have to be sure in him. Can I hear an amen? Do not cast away your confidence. Right quick, what's one of the things that the enemy uses, little foxes falls the vine, that the enemy uses to steal our confidence? 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. For if our heart condemns us, if you keep beating yourself up, if you keep putting yourself down, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Now listen to these promises here. Sure, you might have messed up. Sure, you might have made a mistake. Sure, you may be known for something or the other. But it doesn't say the enemy's condemning you here. It says no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, so God is not condemning you here. But what causes most people to doubt the promises of God is self-condemnation, or you just keep beating yourself up. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. 
And God knows all things. God knows the roots. God knew what you were going to do before you accepted Him. When you repented last time, He knew you were going to mess up again. He remembers our frame and that we were just dust. He knows how human and how weak every one of us are in different areas of our life. And He says here, I'm greater than your own heart. And I know all things. I know the roots. I know the reason why. I want to lead you to deliverance. Verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. I might have messed up, but instead of beating myself over what I did, I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep obeying Him the best I can, asking him to give me the grace to obey his word. I'm not going to keep telling myself, you're just a loser, you're just a failure, you'll never overcome that, you're stuck in this for life. Maybe you knew you had a dad or a grandfather who was stuck in the same thing, and you're going, they never got out of it, I'll never get out of it. Listen, you can take a stand. Even though you might have failed in some areas, it's not, it's not your future. God has a bright future and a hope for you. You just keep getting into the word and getting that word in your heart, and let confidence just be there. If you lose your confidence that you're going to be able to overcome what's never been overcame before, then you're never going to even put up a fight. You will not put up a fight. When you watch these guys doing MMA and they, they do their weigh-ins, they do what they call the intimidation pose, where after they weigh themselves, they stand up and they try to look each other in the eye and they do that intimidation look. They do the intimidation stand because they're trying to intimidate each other till they get into the ring. The enemy has only looked at you because of what you've done and you're ready to throw in the towel. The enemy's just looking at you saying, you'll never overcome that. You'll never break that addiction. You'll never start over again. You'll never have a fruitful life. You'll never experience peace in your life. And all he did was just stand there and challenge what you believed. And when that confidence is there because you're thinking, well, you know, I am weak in that area. I don't think I'll ever overcome that area. Then he's already won the fight without a battle. Mm. I love that song. It is well with my soul. When sorrows like sea billows row. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's a man who walks with God. Though Satan should buffet, through trials should come. Let the blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. This same book, 1 John 3, 20 through 22 in the Amplified Bible, look what it says here. Whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation, just say this with me right now, in the name of Jesus, I renounce all self-condemnation, all self-accusation, all guilt. In Jesus' name, I repent of all my sins, I repent of all my past, and I believe now, in Jesus' name, I am forgiven, I'm saved, I'm free, I'm a winner, and I'm going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give the Lord praise. Give Him praise. Whenever our hearts, in tormenting self-accusation, makes us feel guilty and condemn us, for we are in God's hands. 
For he is above and greater than our consciences or our hearts. He knows, perceives, and understands everything and nothing is hidden from him. And beloved, if our conscience, our hearts do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. If you can have boldness before God, you'll have boldness before the enemy. If you stop living a life of beating yourself up or believing other people when they go to beat you up, when they want to tear you down, when they want to belittle you. You've not been born again to live a life of being belittled. You're valued because he valued you through the blood of Jesus Christ. That self-accusation, that, that, that remembrances try to torment our consciences. Let me tell you some things here. A conscience is a safe guide only when God is the guide of the conscience. Your conscience is only safe when God is the guide of your conscience. Or in other words, when your conscience is a compass and God is the compass. That's the only time you're safe. The greatest tormentor of a human soul is a guilty conscience. Conscience is the only mirror that doesn't flatter. Mm. Conscience is the still small voice that yells so loud the morning after. I don't know what the morning after, don't want to know. Those who remember the past with a clear conscience need have no fear of the future. Happiness is a healthy mental attitude, a grateful spirit, and a clear conscience and a heart full of love. Conscience keeps more people awake than coffee. As long as your conscience is your friend, never mind about your enemies. With some people, a clear conscience is nothing more than a poor memory. If it wasn't for your conscience, you'd probably do everything you want and do it right away. Happy is the man who renounces everything that places a strain on his conscience. Well, that's good right there. Happy is the man who renounces the strain or what's draining your confidence because of your conscience. How many remember, as long as you were doing what mom and daddy liked, nobody was yelling and nobody was getting in trouble. There was confidence to be around the dinner table. But if you knew you had did something, or let me bring it to another point. How many of you, like me, ever got caught passing notes in school? And anybody wrote notes in school? Okay, just a few honest people in here. I know, uh, okay, I know a few people. Okay. Never? Good for you. I did. And so you write notes, and, and uh, even notes about, uh, I remember writing notes the old-fashioned way. Do you like me? It, and I would draw a square, right? Yes, no, or maybe. One time I did on a test, and, and it, th- that was happened to be that test the teacher said passed to the front. But anyway, you ever get caught, and when the teacher goes, Russell, yes, ma'am, what are you doing? Nothing. Are you passing notes? No. And your heart just stops because you got caught in the act and your conscience is telling you that something's gone wrong. You're caught in the act. I remember one time, and I think it was second or third grade, we were riding the bus and I was sitting with some guys and I, 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 I said a bad word. And so my friend Kevin, he went and told the bus driver. And the bus driver got on, that, on the radio and said, Russell, I want to see you when we get to school. Don't get off the bus. And uh, he lived by our house. And so I went to him and he says, did you say this word? I said, yes, sir. He says, what would your mom and daddy think about it? I said, they wouldn't like it. He says, do you want me to tell them? I said, no, sir, please don't. Well, that was during the week. 
Saturday, TG and Y, Jennings, Louisiana. Never saw my bus driver except on the bus. But in TGY, the following Saturday, <coughs> guess who's at TGY the same time we are? The bus driver. And he's talking to my mom and my dad, and I'm standing right there. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's over. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. And you know what that bus driver did? He had mercy. You know what he did? He says, Well, your son's a very good boy. He behaves himself real good on the bus. He never told my dad or my mom. But how many know I had a guilty conscience that was killing me? I did not have the courage to stand up before that man and my parents knowing I was guilty of doing something. That conscience will take away your courage. And that's what the Bible keeps trying to tell us here. But I want you to see the next verse, verse 22 in the Amplified. It says, and we receive from him whatever we ask. Oh, thank God, that's when we got confidence. Thank you, Father. You hear my petitions when I make them. Because we watchfully obey his orders and observe his... Now, look at this word. What's that word? And this is his commandments and his plan for us. And habitually practice what is pleasing to him. So many times we'll tell, I suggest you do this. You can take suggestions or not. Our confidence grows when we start walking with God that is not only walking according to the word of God, but when God is pushing us to do something for his glory. For example, I want you to start going on Wednesday night church. Get behind me, devil, in Jesus' name. I don't have time for that. I want you to start tithing. No, I don't believe in that tithing stuff. I, I want you to start going at Tuesday night intercession. I want you to fast. Oh, I know that's not God. There are suggestions that God makes. That if you obey them, your confidence will grow. So many people tell me, listen, listen to what I'm saying now. So many people tell me, Pastor, I wish I knew the voice of God. Well, are you obeying not only his word, are you also obeying his suggestions? When he tells you, I want you to go meet somebody, I want you to talk to them, and I want you to pray with them. As somebody in the hall just stopped me before I was coming and said, Pastor, can I meet with you and pray with you before service? That could have been a suggestion of God that he's been saying, I want to hear from God. And God said, well, won't you meet with pastors and start praying with them before service? That was a suggestion of the Holy Spirit to get something started that's not even seen yet in the natural. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? What's the suggestions that the Holy Spirit has given you that will jump? They're an influence from God. It's something that God wants to do for you. Now you say, what do I do about my past? Here it is in Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Let your conscience be converted. That your sins may be what? Your sins what? Did you repent? Have you repented of your sins? So what's happened to your sins? They're blotted out. So that, look at this. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, the Phillips is really close to the Greek. I want you to hear this. Now you must repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Look at this. Time after time. I believe that's where Cindy Lauper wrote her song. Time after time. Time after time, your souls may know the refreshment. Somebody say refreshment. The refreshment that comes from the presence of God. Time after time. Some of you are saying right now, there's no hope for me. I've messed up too many times. It says right here, you just repent. And time after time, your soul will know refreshment because it will come from the presence of God. How many are excited about that? Amen. And then the Amplified Bible. Look at this. So repent. Change your mind and purpose. Whatever is dulling your conscience, turn around and return to God. And your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean. At times of refreshing, and I love this, times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat. 
the effects of the wrong you've done. I'm just paying. People say, I'm just paying the consequences of my sin. I'm always being punished for what I did. I'll live a life being punished for the wrongs and the mistakes. I'll never be able to outlive or I will never be able to to leave this area because of what I've done. I'm, I'm only reaping what I sowed. But yet the Bible says if you repent, your sins will be blotted out. Your sins will be forgiven. So why God, will God continue to punish you for something he's forgotten? And he says right here, I'll cause you to recover from the effects of what you've done and the reviving of fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. That's the love that God has for you. That's what God wants to do for you. Can I hear an amen? Man, I, this, is, this is precious. And Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. But look in the new living. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Listen, in this year, if you're taking notes, this year, this will be the year of restoring the shield of faith. This will be the year where you take the shield of faith and you're going to take a stand. Having done all to stand, stand. And the enemy may outnumber you. Things may be bombarding you. Everything in the world may be coming against you. But with that shield of faith, it says it quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy. Everything that the enemy is throwing at you to try to destroy you, to try to discourage you. You stand there by faith. I'm taking a stand by faith. The devil, my conscience, it may be things that I've done, but it's under the blood of Jesus. I'm taking my stand that I will come out of this victorious in the name of Jesus. No weapon. Formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises against me, I will condemn it. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. The evidence of things not seen. Can I hear an amen? R.T. Kendall said, Faith is that which keeps us looking beyond what we can see with our natural senses with such confidence that we know we shall not be disappointed. Faith looks beyond oneself Never within oneself. Faith always leads us outside of ourselves. Why? Because faith perceives its object. God. I see the Lord. He is high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. Amen. Hebrews 10.36 says, You have need of endurance or patience that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And this word endurance means to stand up under something but never quitting. The pressure is hard. It's crushing. But the Lord will give me strength in the spirit of his might so that I can stand up strong against this thing. I can win, not only for me, but for my family, for my future, for the call of God upon my life, for the desires that God has for me. It's to stand under the pressure and not give up and not quit. And then 1 John 2, 28 says, And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have what? Confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. In my bathroom, there in the office, I have the Indian version of Psalms 23. And when I read this word hope, the word hope in the Hebrew, tekwav, it means uh, to grab a hold of a rope with an expected outcome and watch the rope of hope come down so that you are able to climb out of any pit. And according to the Indian version of Psalms 23, this is what it says. The great father above, a shepherd chief he is. I am his... And with him, I want not. He throws me a rope, and the name of that rope is love. He draws me, and he draws me to where the grass is green and the water is not dangerous. I eat and lie down, and I'm satisfied. Listen to this part. Sometimes my heart is very weak and falls down, but he lifts me up again 
and draws me to a good road. His name is wonderful. Sometime, it may be soon, it may be many, many moons, he will draw me into a valley. It is dark there, but I will not be afraid. For it is in between, it is in between those mountains that the shepherd chief will meet me. And the hunger that I have in my heart all through this life will be satisfied. Sometimes he makes the love into whips. And afterward, he gives me a staff to lean upon. He spreads a table before me with all kinds of food. He puts his hand upon my head. I love this part. He puts his hand upon my head and all the tired is gone. He puts his hand upon my head and all the tired is gone. I have that hanging there in my office and you, so many times I'll go and I'll read that and when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel overcome, that's why it's important to have the scriptures and have motivation and have things all around you so that everywhere you turn to the right or the left is in blocks and it's in words and it's in pictures and it's in forms to encourage you. When you walk out, God speaks to you but it's like the Lord will take care of me. The Lord has, has a hold of this and when I'm tired and about ready to quit, I just go, Father, now put your hand upon me and all the tired goes away. So I want to ask you to stand. Would you stand? I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to raise your hand. Because I know some of you have been battling about already the beginning of this year. I know last year was a very difficult time for you. I just want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. And I want to ask you, just ask the Father to lay His hands upon you. That all the tired, the weariness will be removed. The book of Daniel says... 7 says that the enemy tries to wear down and wear out the saints. The enemy knows that if he can take your confidence, he can take your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The enemy's been trying to come in all kind of ways to try to discourage you. To, to cause you to live a life in hopelessness. That the situation you're living in will never change. But right now, I just ask, Father, we just ask you right now. Just to rebaptize, refill, and refresh from the refreshing of your presence over the head and into the life of everyone here present right now. Those listening by internet, I just ask you right now, even those watching, just to flow into those rooms, flow into the hospital rooms or wherever they may be. I just ask you, sweet Spirit of God, may the presence of God just fill us with refreshment. You are the rest that causes the weary to rest. You're the strength that causes the weak to arise. You're the hope and the peace that passes understanding. So we ask you right now just to feel each and every one right now. Holy Spirit. Refreshing. Hope again. To believe again try again don't quit don't give up keep pressing in there keep pressing in there as you continue to receive just continue to pray just continue to stay in his presence I want to ask right now is there anyone here today that you say you may put your hands down for, for a moment if you're here today and you say pastor my life is not right with God I need to start over again. I need a refreshing from His presence. I feel like I'm not living. I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like my past, even my present, is, is destroying me. I've let people down beside me. I've let myself down. I've let God down.
Maybe you've accepted Him before, but you've wandered away. Today, if you want to rededicate your life or give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand right there where you are? Anyone at all? God bless you, sis. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise your hand. If you want to receive the Lord right now, just raise your hand. Anyone else? You want to give your life back to Him? Anyone else? Anyone else today? Hand over here. Those who raise their hands, would you come forward, please? Let me pray with you. Come. God bless you as you come. Come and let me pray with you.